Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. All right, guys, welcome back to the Equipping You Guys podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And with me today is my friend and brother in Christ, Richard Moore. Richard, welcome to the Equipping You Guys podcast, brother. Hey, how you doing, Dave? Thanks for having me on. It's a real pleasure. Yeah, man. It's great to great to chat with you. Uh, can you uh, tell us about your life, marriage, ministry, and what are you working on ministry project-wise, brother? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, again, my name is Richard Moore. I've been a missionary in Germany for the last nine years. Uh, longtime youth pastor, uh, church ministry for a long time. I realized the other day that I've uh, been no, trying to m- know Christ or make him known for about 30 years, almost, almost 30 years. Uh, and uh Got uh, three kids with my wife Simona. Uh, we've again lived here in Germany for nine years. Our oldest child—that's maybe another uh, another title for another episode—but uh, our oldest child has Down syndrome. Was born to us as a surprise. Uh, wow. God's greatest gift to us as a family, and um, and we have so we have three kids here, and we've been here nine years. And uh, some yeah, was church planting, evangelism, gospel-centered work. Um, what else? Evangelism, theology, and uh, one one thing I'm working on right now, and that will come out really soon. May first, I've written an article for the World Evangelical Alliance's uh, academic journal, uh, the Evangelical Review of Theology, and that'll come out May first. It's on the New Apostolic Reformation, and uh, so we'll be talking about that a little bit today, um, and just kind of covering over a little bit, but um. I'm also working on my PhD currently um, in youth culture uh, and missiology and uh, looking into the characteristics of youth culture and to help create a guide for youth culture missionaries, people who want to reach youth in their culture. So those are some of the things I'm working on right now. Does that hit it? Yeah, yeah. That's great, man. That's awesome. Really cool. Well, can you uh, tell us, you got this great book, Divergent Theology. Tell us a little bit about why you wrote it and... Um, how it's been received so far. Right. Uh, Divergent Theology was just really a response to uh, what I saw happen in, in Germany. As I came to be a missionary here in Germany, uh, several years after I started noticing a movement coming in um, to Germany uh, that was affecting the teenagers that I was discipling. And so I was like, wait, what's, what is all this? Just looked into it a little bit. Um, and I knew some of the backgrounds, uh, because, uh, in, in, when I was a youth pastor in California for about nine years, I had heard of Bethel church in Redding, California. I didn't know much about it. Uh, just sort of, I threw, I threw it out as like sort of extreme charismatic, you know, way out, way out in the extreme. And, uh, so, but I became more concerned when my teenagers who I was discipling were wanting to go to these events put on by a, a group called Awakening Europe. It's a large stadium event, a provider that's really deeply connect, connected with Bethel. And so when I started investigating, I was like, oh, wow. And I started unraveling the onions, you know, <laughs> so the, the layers come off. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is more than just a book. It would be really weird if I just handed my kids that I'm discipling a 50 page paper. So <laughs> I realized that it needed a little bit more of a substantial uh, effect or, you know, substantial handling. And so I, the more I uncovered, the more it was like, whoa, um, this is really necessary. And, and so it became a book and, uh, uh, recently it just got translated into German. And so that's actually, uh, that's actually why I've written it. Um, you know, to really minister the people I'm ministering to on a day-to-day basis. And those are German people, you know, uh, it's hard to write something that's critiquing something. And, uh, so I actually wrote it, you know, uh, thank you for that question on, on how it's been received. Largely it's been received pretty well, um, apart from the name calling and the efforts to destroy my reputation and, I've actually but I've received more persecution more persecution for my stances than I could have imagined actually. I haven't been sued yet. That's that's the um 
exciting part, <laughs> but uh, don't hold my breath. Yeah. But uh, it, yeah, it's actually affected my family pretty deeply, um, especially when someone called uh, my daughter's Down syndrome um, came from the, my daughter's sickness, her illness, her Down syndrome came from Satan. So these are pretty awful attacks that have happened over the years um, uh, since since releasing it. Um, but I'm proud of it. I'm really deeply, deeply proud of it. I wanted to write something in 20 years that I could be proud of it, 50 years that I could be proud of it, and 100 years that I could really be proud of and was correct. And the more I dig into this movement, the more and more I'm proud of it. Critiquing something, like I said, is really difficult. It's not easy. And so um, I'm really proud. But the more I unravel what this movement's about, the New Apostolic Reformation and Bethel, the more I stand 100% behind it. Yeah, it's a it's a good book, brother, and it's very helpful. We're going to we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, Bethel and Bill Johnson. You know, you're you're a subject matter expert on the subject. You know, you mm -hmm. help lead uh, at least one group on the new apostolic reformation. And so maybe before we even get into that, you know, you have a lot of experience. Um, you mentioned ministering in California. Maybe you sure. can tell us about how you, uh, before we get into Bill Johnson and Bethel, just tell us a little bit about that experience. Sure. In California, you mean, just having touch with Cal California, yeah. even in yeah. maybe in, a little bit in Europe and those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, our, we were in an awesome, awesome church in California for about nine years. Um, and our daughter, uh, who was born to us, was born to us with Down syndrome. And it was a surprise to us. Our church just embraced us with with loving arms. It was incredible. And that's probably why we stayed for nine years. We were hoping to come to the mission field very quickly and very soon. But uh, God led us to stay. And we just love the people there. Um, in that meantime, at, at that church, that's where my first uh, interaction with Bill Johnson was or with Bethel Church. Um, we had either people come from, so Redding, California was really very close to the Bay Area. Just to give you perspective, it's a two, two and a half hour trip um, to to Redding from the Bay Area where we were in, in Oakland. And um, so we had people come to us all the time from from Bethel. And uh, either they were totally convinced of the, the miracles and everything that was happening there at Bethel, or they were in need of a recovery from a, a cult-like uh, uh, perspective and place. So it was uh, very challenging and very tricky to have people come all the time. And so one time my wife was giving a testimony, just a quick story about how our, our first encounter with Bethel and uh, a person uh, gave my, my wife's given a testimony in the women's group and a, a woman approached her afterwards and, and gave her a CD of a Bill Johnson sermon. And it went something like this, so kind of the typical healing sermon, the healing ministry that comes out of Bethel. Um, he preached something to the effect of God is good, cancer's bad, Satan's bad. So thus Satan, cancer comes from Satan. And so I just, only thing I know to do with stuff like that, I just took it out of my CD player. I had a CD player at the time <laughs> and uh, uh, threw that CD in the trash because it was trash. It's garbage. It's garbage theology and it hurts people. That kind of theology hurts people. And so um, I investigated a little bit and looked into their website. And even back then, their website was just looked fringe. You know what I mean? Now it's all very polished and very clean. They're very uh, millennial, as it were. Um, and it looks really sharp and slick. And all their, let's say, social media stuff is very well done now. But back then, it was just looked weird and was weird. And was and I, I threw it out as fringe. And then years later, uh, coming back to Germany um, to minister, and uh, here it is. It's everywhere. <laughs> I was researching my book, and the church we were attending, my wife was leading worship, and I'm researching my book. And on the 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 computer, uh, I, I get a notification from my wife saying, you're not going to believe this. They're showing a Bill Johnson sermon on Good Friday, at a Good Friday service. And uh, so they were, and uh, it's everywhere. It's really just everywhere. Um, all these things I learned about the, the the movement I learned from the church we were attending, and we've we've since uh, left that church. And um, so, yeah, the, the, this was coming in everywhere. And Awakening Europe, for instance, is a vi big purveyor of the New Apostolic Reformation and and Bethel type uh, ministry and theology and and practices. Yeah. 
Yeah, kind of similar to what you were just saying there about your experience coming out of seminary. um, I was working as a professional research for a company that does Mm -hmm. research for various ministry leaders and um, was working Mm -hmm. with the president. And so I was working with mostly VIPs for that Mm -hmm. company. Right. And, and so one of the assignments was actually Bethel and Bill Johnson. I'm like, mm. I think I can do this. Cause I mean, I can Google pretty well and finger. <laughs> there wasn't like anything on there. And I was like, well, there's nothing on here. You know, this is like 2012 and whatever. And I was mm. like, well, there's nothing on here. So, you know, I submitted it or whatever. It didn't end that, that particular opportunity didn't um, work out, but I, I kind of just like, like you were saying, I kind of dismissed this movement. It's just like, yeah. Uh, it's going to be, it's just another thing. It's not really that big of a deal, but then yeah. you, know, you fast forward, you know, a few years and now I'm here yeah, in Southern Oregon and, you know, in Albany, which is like an hour and a half away from me, you got the Elijah list. Um, you have them coming oh, yeah. university of Oregon, which is 45 minutes North yeah. from my house. Um, you've had Stephen Furtick, Bethel Hillsong. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you have uh multiple, you have Reading, of course, four hours South of me. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, I mean, it's 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 everywhere here. And so yeah. I'm like, man, I got to get back into this. Uh, <laughs> and that's you know, actually about the same story as mine, because I, I think it was about the same time frame, give or take, that I looked into. It and it was just there was nothing much out there. Um, he had written some books at that point, though. And I just didn't you're not in those worlds. If you're not in that that circle, you don't get the access to those books. But they're bestsellers. I mean, he's written. So just. Uh, you know, before we go a little further, maybe we should tell your audience who Bill Johnson is, yeah, what, yeah, what this is. So Bill Johnson is the senior leader and apostle at Bethel Church in Redding, California. So that's, you know, and every time I tell people who are from California, Redding, what's in Redding? Who, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like Nazareth. <laughs> what what good can come out of Nazareth? <laughs> and right. and uh, Nathaniel said that about Christ, right? Um but it's uh they're they're uh he's written 50 some books i think 56 books um and co-authored and written uh chapters for many nar uh type books new apostolic reformation type books um and of the books i've read by johnson i find serious problems in every book almost in on every page definitely in every chapter uh every sermon he's taught there's some serious egregious problem um, teaching theology or practice. And, uh, so that's Bill Johnson, uh, and Chris Valentin is his prophet. Um, we can get into that detail a little bit later as well. Yeah. So, you know, maybe you can give us just like a few, uh, and I know there's more than a few. So when, when I say like, I did, when we did the, when I did the Stephen Furtick thing, um, I put like four things and people are like only four. I'm like, only four, so when yeah. we, so when, when I, when now, whenever I'm going to say there's only like a few, yeah. that doesn't mean that there's only that amount. There's way more. And uh, I know that you, you have like 30 examples or more yeah. that you could give, but maybe just give people a, a few. Maybe there's a lot of people. It, it would surprise a lot <laughs> of people. But that yeah. whenever I talk about these things, I, I'm getting told I didn't even know that. I didn't right. even have any idea, like, with the background behind Jesus calling and other things. So right. yeah. there's a lot of people that we need to understand. They're, they don't even know what this is. Like, one example I could give you is there's a guy who's that I know good friends with year for years and years now. Been a pastor for th- 30 years Mm-hmm. Um, well informed, was a professor. He's a leading uh scholar in the biblical counseling movement. He mm-hmm. didn't even know he knew nothing about the new apostolic reformation. Interesting, yeah. So now, I, f- I find that yeah. interesting because uh, sometimes the the people in the ivory towers of evangelicalism and the teaching institutions don't aren't aware of this. That's why I've written that article on the World Evangelical Alliance to, to make the World Evangelical Alliance a little bit more aware of this movement. This is a huge movement. It's a multi-million dollar person movement. 60 million people probably in, in the United States have access to or been exposed to NAR type teaching and or Bill Johnson or Bethel. You ask anybody under 30 years old who's, who, who's a listener of your show, they'll probably know who Bethel Music is, Bethel Worship, Bill Johnson, Bethel Reading, California, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe just give us like two or three examples 
that. And okay. and guys, we're gonna we're gonna play the clips <laughs> or you know as as much as we can of these so that you can see. So start off with your you know first example of the the right call that the new craziness so, from Bethel. The new craziness, <laughs> yeah. There's a so I mean to 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 get a de more detailed look into what what uh, the NAR and Bethel kind of purvey and teach. Definitely have pick up my book uh, Divergent Theology. That's a more detailed look. But uh, let's just give you a, a for instance of the, some of the new craziness um, from Bethel. Uh, Richard Gordon is a staff member at Bethel. Um, and he, they do a, every year they do us a, a dream life school of interpretation. So, um, give you a, for, give you a, a funny, for instance, it's, it's not funny, but it's, it's funny. Um, they have on the Bethel website store right now, as far as I know, I've looked at it a month ago, a pillowcase or that says on the pillowcase, uh, uh, prophetic dreams happen here. Just in case, so they they have they have this they have this supernatural that they, they stand so so incredibly on supernatural and 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 uh, manifestations and and all this type of stuff that they believe and teach that dreams have um, prophetic uh, meanings and stuff like this and so they have a every year they have a conference called the Dream Life School of Interpretation where you can learn to go interpret dreams. And so Richard Gordon, one of their leaders um, at, at Bethel, uh, I believe he's a, a leader of the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, said that he had a dream one time, and I'm not making it up. I wish I could. It's just so crazy. Uh, uh, the, he, he said that the angel of the Lord in his dream appeared to him and gave him a scroll with the tele, a telecommunications algorithm on the scroll. That became his master's dissertation or master's thesis. Uh, he actually says the word dissertation. It's interesting because a dissertation is usually done for a PhD degree. Um, but then he talks about his master's degree. He got his master's degree for it. So it's very confusing. Very, um, it's just very wild. So uh, if you can play that clip on, on your show, um, yeah. It, it. So what you're about to hear is Richard. Uh, sharing about this uh, uh, teaching that he's giving about prophetic dreams. I was 23 when I woke up from this dream where I had this radical encounter with God. I remember the hand of the angel of the Lord seeing it in my dream. And then there was a scroll in his hand. And as, I opened, as he opened it up, it read AODV. And God said, this is a telecommunications algorithm for your master's thesis. I woke up in a cold sweat and I went to research it out and it turned out to be ad hoc on-demand distance vectors, which is the shortest path telecoms algorithm in the cryptography space. It became the cornerstone of the dissertation, the book that I wrote, and I got published in six countries and I got to fly around the world speaking at academic conferences and military conventions on the tech that God gave me through a dream. When I would, uh, when I would stop, and I would mathematically model that solution. Uh, so I took the algorithm and I mathematically modeled it through simulations. And whenever I get stuck, I would fall asleep and tell you exactly how it happened. I'd fall asleep, an angel of the Lord would come to me, hand me a scroll, but this time I would eat it. And I'd wake up and I'd have the solution for the mathematical problem. It happened multiple, multiple, multiple times. I thought I was crazy. <laughs> But there was so much glory on that because sometimes when you start to play in a realm that's beyond your skill and ability, you start to see results that are beyond your skill and ability. And I, the favor was so much, I, would, I should never have been in front of dignitaries and academic spaces. I should never have been on boards of universities. Like I just, but I had a dream. It's very far-fetched, uh, just to give you a, a, a for instance. But you know, we could say, well, Richard, didn't in dreams, you know, in the in the new old and new testament, didn't they? Um, we can we can look at Colossians two eighteen, um, and it says, "Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and the worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by their sensuous minds." This is Paul the apostle writing to the Colossians, remember his dream, his his third heaven um, encounter that he had with the Lord, where he went to heaven and saw things that were unimaginable, un undescribable. 
But notice what Paul did in that vision. He did not go on and say, well, um, you know, here's what I saw. He actually said, I could not describe them to you. He, he actually described rather what happened as a result. He was humbled and God gave him the grace because he gave him a thorn in his side because of the, these exceeding revelations. So Paul, the apostle, did not even write about what he saw in heaven. But uh, Richard Gordon will definitely talk about the angel of the Lord. He actually says the angel of the Lord. Now, uh, Dave, tell me, what is who is the angel of the Lord? The Lord. Well, the, it's a theophany. It's the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ himself. He says the angel of the Lord gave him a scroll. He unrolled the scroll in the dream. And on it was a telecommunications algorithm. So it just is a, a smidge far-fetched. Um, so. Let the reader understand. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So the second, uh, you want me to go on the second one? Yeah, yeah, uh, the, the second one. And so before Richard explains what's wrong with the song, The Great Beyond, um, you're going to be seeing a, what was a Facebook story and hearing it in your earbuds. Uh, the songwriters of this song, The Great Beyond, describe this song. And then um, I'm going to come back and I'm going to read you the bridge to this song this song particularly we were probably sitting there and writing about let's talk about the great beyond that is god and then all of us went into it it's been wild to watch the last couple of years the fact that like the whole world has gone through something together and it is it has surfaced so many things for all of us and you know learning how to grieve is going to be essential you know, the life and the breadth of the song is all about being in a space that we don't understand. And now here is the bridge to the great beyond. I'm resting in the great beyond, what we know and what will come, because you are a world without end. And even in the great unknown, we have a hope. We have a home because you are a world without end. I'm resting in the great beyond, what we know and what will come, because you are a world without end. And even in the great unknown, we have a hope. We have a home because you are a world without end. Oh, God. You are a world without end. The bridge goes to the great beyond. So um, Bethel Music, of course, Bethel Music is a multi-million dollar industry by itself. They have uh, 50 to 100 million uh, views on their most popular views on YouTube, their most popular songs. They have some 5 million subscribers. I don't exactly know the no exact number. So if I'm wrong on that, correct me. But um they make a load of money. Spotify listens. The streams on Spotify make them a load of money. We can talk about that a little bit later, too. But they just came out with a new song called The Great Beyond. Now, at first, that sounds innocuous a little bit, right? It doesn't sound too bad or whatever. But I thought, wait, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. The Great Beyond? I, I went to, to for first to like Native American religions. And then I'm like, no, wait a minute. That's Baha'i. The great beyond is the Baha'i faith's belief in heaven or the afterlife. It's yeah. not Christian. Yeah. What what is that for those who aren't aware of that? The the great beyond is the is the sort of the the place hereafter where we go. Um, and I'm not I'm not really in depth. The Baha'i religion is not really in depth for me. But I did look at. I'm like, yeah. wait a minute. And then I looked it up. I'm like, sure enough. It's the great, there's lots of resources you can find within the great Baha'i that talk, within Baha'i religion that talks about the great beyond and how even the, the founder of the Baha'i religion went to the great beyond when he passed away. Wow. So the great beyond is not a Christian, Christian belief um, in the life, in the, in the life after death. Uh, Amanda Lindsay Cook is one of the the authors uh, of this of this song, along with uh, Brian Johnson, the son of Bill Johnson, and she has some really kooky views too. Um, so, new age, esoteric, 
um, pantheism. She, she's a, she's probably a pantheist. Uh, I've heard people say on comments and here and there that she's actually involved in witchcraft. So the great beyond, and it's describing God in the great beyond. He is not in the great beyond my friend, David, he is mm. <laughs> in heaven seated on the throne um, with Christ at his right hand. So yeah, that's, those are just some wacky, wacky stuff going on there at Bethel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's worth mentioning, though, you know, that that is like you're saying, they get this money from the, you know, the the royalties when people play yep. their song. And that's why, you know, we've had Holly and Doug and I've had Holly on yep. as well. We had Don Hill on. Um, we've talked about this quite a bit now. And it's like you can't say it enough that you have to stop singing their songs even if yeah. they're wonderful and helpful it's funding this movement yeah. that teaches abhorrent theology like you said in the title of your book it's divergent theology meaning that it deviates from not only yeah. what the bible says but what the church has taught as you so aptly demonstrate in the book and so 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah it definitely uh there, I mean, it probably makes more money than we can even imagine. I mean, I, I'm trying, I try to wrap my head around, I try to do research and look into like the numbers actually of what it's making. But I mean, if you have, if you have one song or one thing on YouTube that, that gets a hundred million, over a hundred million views, you're making bucks, man, you're making a lot of money. So, um, I mean, that's up there with Led Zeppelin, people like that. I mean, like you're getting a hundred million views on a, on a song. Um, and it's gotta be supported by the church at large. Otherwise, if, if the church is not supporting it, they would not get the views they do. They would not get the streams. And we'll talk about copyright licensing CCLI in a minute, but yeah, if the church, the evangelical church, the Christian church in the, in the world, in the United States did not support it by singing their music then it would not be where it is. That's right. Yeah. You have, uh, I think, one other example that you wanted to share. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the the sad uh, uh, story of baby Olive. Um, so I guess it was 2020, uh, maybe 19. I can't remember the exact year, but uh, That's a, okay. a, a baby, baby Olive, um, Olive Heiligenthal. It was a daughter of one of the worship leaders at Bethel, and uh, she passed away suddenly in her sleep at night. And um, they so they, along with Bethel, their family, along with Bethel, called on the global church to decree and declare the, the resurrection of baby Olive. And um, so the hashtag wake up Olive um, trended for quite some time on social media platforms. And um, they did for about eight days at Bethel. They had worship nights and declarations and decrees and the people would post and, and text. And I mean, there was it was really uh, quite a quite a thing for quite some time, even with uh, national press coverage in the United States. And uh, of course, baby uh, Olive did not uh, rise from the dead. Um, Bethel also has a dead raising team, uh, just as a side note, uh, they, they seek to raise the dead uh, through these things. And, um, brave. So, okay. Yeah. But that's, yeah, that's, that's also another thing that has been, uh, done by, uh, many people at Bethel. Um, but yeah, wait, you're bringing up all sorts of stuff, man. You're getting me sidetracked. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> we, we could, we could go into that. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So Al Moeller, Dr. Al Moeller condemned Bethel in a podcast right at, right away, um, saying that church was heterodox, a fringe movement infamous for its theology of signs and wonders um, and actually showed how evidence that Bethel and the new apostolic reformation stand outside of historic Pentecostalism. Um, uh, so he concluded that the theology of Bethel church actually detracts from the gospel of Jesus Christ. So um, that was that instance. And uh, it was really sad. Um, now, of course, the family themselves called for this. They wanted this. But um, we bury our dead as Christians um, in the hopes and the and the the joy of what lies before us in the resurrection of the dead. So, yeah. um, amen. You know, it's almost like it's weird. Why would you want to raise a Christian from the dead? Even you know, um, it's almost like they love this world more than the the, the one to come. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've seen that quite a bit in this movement. So. 
Yeah, that's interesting, though, that you brought up uh, Dr. Mueller's condemnation of, you know, their outside of historic Pentecostalism, because I've been, you know, reading on this for a while now. And um, that it, it's interesting that they have even made the Assemblies of God and made official declaration, you know, as a denomination yeah. against this. And then, of course, <laughs> they had Bill Johnson go to Springfield, Missouri, where their yeah. headquarters is in the flagship church. Yeah. And then preach at that church. And it's like, yeah. well, are you guys against it? You're telling your pastors and the presbyteries that they have kind of like, you know, um, they, they license and ordain like the yeah. Presbyterian Church of America does for those who aren't aware of that. Uh, that's what they do. And it's kind of like a regulatory. They all have to agree on what they're going to teach in the Assemblies of God like they do right. in the Presbyterian Church of America, in case you're not familiar with that idea. But yeah, like then why did you go and let him preach at the quote unquote flagship church in Springfield, Missouri? Well, I can even draw a, a, a stronger thread uh, to that. The AOG, the Assemblies of God in 2006, wait, six, I think it was. They uh, wrote a uh, um, end times, I forget the exact title now, the end time, spirit led end time revival, something to that effect. Um, I had quoted my book and condemned the major tenets of the New Apostolic Reformation. And um, and Bethel, as a result of that, they exited the AOG. Um, so they, they're, they're an independent congregation. They're not connected to uh, the Assemblies of God anymore. They left the AOG de denomination um, as a result of that. And uh, the AOG in the uh, in the 50s as well condemned all the main tenets of the new uh, the new apostolic reformation that are that are continued to this day because of the latter rain movement that broke out in the late 40s, early 50s. Um, so the AOG has condemned uh, quite quite some quite often there the the main tenets especially the apostolic and prophetic offices um, uh, that are continuing to this day. So that exactly, I don't, why would, why would the AO, an AOG flagship church uh, invite Bill Johnson? It's, it's kind of dumb fuzzling for sure. But what, what, um, what most concerns you about the inroads Bethel has made into modern evangelicalism? I would say first I'm concerned uh that evangelicalism will very soon no longer be evangelical. The tenets of evangelicalism are are biblicism, um, um, the the authority of Scripture, um, conversionism that we convert people, uh, crucicentrism, um, and these are these are by Bebbington, uh, not me. Uh, they're, they're not my uh, takes on evangelicalism. It's it's uh, historian uh, Bebbington has come up with these things, and. Those things are not the focus of this movement. And so uh, as, as NAR takes more and more inroads into evangelicalism, it will become less and less evangelical because those are not the, 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 the center points of, um, of the NAR and Bethel. Uh, you know, Bethel would say, well, we believe in the Bible, of course, but you don't, if you don't preach the Bible and you don't preach it correctly and you don't hold it up as the main epistemological authority in people's lives, Rather, revelations, dreams, visions, like we were just talking about. You know, they have a dream school where you can interpret dreams. That's their epistemological sources for truth from God. And that's not evangelical. And so that's my concern, my main concern. Um, so my upcoming paper uh, with the W World Evangelical Alliance makes the case uh, that evangelicalism is changing through the Trojan horse that is NAR music, Bethel, Hillsong, Elevation, etc., um, several evangelical churches here in Germany, France, and Switzerland have been taken over by this movement. Uh, one prime example is the current uh, takeover that Awakening Europe, uh, which is closely partnered with Bethel, has taken over a church here in our area and become the de facto leadership structure. Um, and uh, Bethel pastor, Bethel supportive missionary, Bethel BSSM School of Supernatural Ministry graduate Ben Fitzgerald has just was just named the pastor of G5. And immediately after they did that, they left the free evangelical denomination they were part of. So this church that had been planted 30 years ago is now not a non-evangelical church anymore. They have been taken over by this movement. Yeah. So that's my main concern, my huge concern. See, Peter Wagner advocated, he was the founder or the, the person who coined the term 
New Apostolic Reformation, he advocated for the replacement of the term theologian with the office of apostle teacher so that the church could receive the new wine. He also advocated for getting rid of the pastoral epistles and calling them the, uh, yeah, yeah, not, not stop, stopping calling them the uh, pastoral epistles. So this is C. Peter Wagner for you. He was the one who um, who basically brought this to the fore more in the evangelical world. I think evangelicals has to have to ask themselves, are we ready to be supplanted by apostles and prophets? Um, the global evangelical leaders have to be on the alert and 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 especially people in the ivory white towers. This is a movement that affects everything in evangelicalism, whether you like it or not. Well said. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, like you're like you're saying, we have to be willing to speak up about this. We can't mm -hmm. just sit on the on the sidelines. And that means if you're a professor, you got to know about this. If you're yeah. a homeschool mom, you got to be aware about this. If yeah. you're a pastor, you got to be on guard against this. Yeah. Um, it is it is you you let it in the back door. They're not going to be in the back door. They're going to be go for the platform. They're going to go for the yeah. pulpit. Um, so you know, if you're a pastor, you you're commanded, commanded yeah. by God to guard the flock and the sheep That's and right. the pulpit and all the teaching ministry in the offices of the church. And sadly, there's too many, I think, we'll just uh, we don't want to be uncharitable to pastors because I think you you go to be <laughs> a pastor because you care about people. And you yeah. love people and you want to help them. But unfortunately, I think there's too many pastors asleep at the wheel. Um, right. And and what's happening, the statistics show that in especially in America, where we are, we do a good job of the stat, stats showing the problem. And the yeah. problem is, is pastors have to lead the way. And if you're not going to lead the way, then get out of the way. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and that's not a lot. I, I can say that because most of my friends are pastors. You know, I, do pulpit, I do pulpit supply. Yeah. And I know that most of my friends, they are doing that. So most of the pastors that have listened to the show, they, they're doing that. But if you have a yeah. friend and you see they're not guarding the flock and not preaching the truth, brothers, then you need to tell them, look, either get out of the way and resign yeah. or repent and preach the truth. Yeah. And be aware of these things. That's just like. That's it. Hurt. Yeah, that's it. That, I think part of it is being aware that people just aren't aware, you know. It, yeah. it, so if let's just take typical evangelical church uh, 101, you know, wherever that is in, in, in uh, you know, in North Dakota somewhere. <laughs> let's just take, for yeah. example, they don't know. It's, it's just not in their purview. They don't see it coming in. It's not coming in for the most part, except through the music. Um, and you don't know, um, you're not aware that Bethel, what's wrong with Bethel that no, no one has told them now, I, I'm, I'm a little bit, uh, less gracious for people. Like, how can you not at this point, like you, you get a Google machine and go to work. It's everywhere. You can find out everything you need to know, um, about this movement, about Bethel church and their aberrant teachings. Um, you know, just have a little discernment on your head, uh, you know, a little, little bit of discernment and go to town and go to work and look at it and, 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 and see, you know, what, what are we singing here? Especially when you have songs like the, the most sung song in church uh, in 2017, 18, I believe it was, was reckless love. Does that just, does that seem like to you, Dave, that that would describe God's love in any way? No. So get, get your, get your discernment thing whirling and go look up what this movement is and go do something about it. Pastor, protect your flock. You're right on the money. Yeah. And and it's not even just the pastor. It's, you know, Bible study teacher, uh, yeah. writer, a podcaster. I mean, it, it is one of these things where we have to be, you, you can't just have yourself warning about it. And Holly and Holly Pivik and Doug Guyvett uh, can't be the only ones that, that can't just be a, you know, movie yeah. like, um, American Gospel Three that's coming out on the New Apostolic Reformation, which that right. helps, but it has to be every single person hands on deck, and it's yeah. not even this is they have a right. they have their own they have their own translation of the Bible, the Passion. Yeah. They have their own structure of the church that they want to impose on the yeah. church. 
and they want to even supplant pastors yeah. uh, and make pastors submit to the apostle. I mean, hello, yeah. Baptists, if you're not paying attention to that, I don't know. I could if, go one step further. So you had yeah. asked me, you had a question yeah. about yeah. my uh, experience with Bethel, but I don't think, I don't know if you skipped it or not. I'll just go for it right now. You said yeah, you're, you're going to ask me about my experience at Bethel. I had been critiqued uh, for quite some time. Hey, you, Richard, you can't, you're not allowed to say negative things unless you have experienced it yourself. So um, I don't, I don't accept that critique of my own work, honestly, because like, can I say something bad about drugs? Can I say drugs are not cool for me unless I've tried them before? No, we can know something by the effects of it. We can know something by the teaching, et cetera. So, but I did, I was there in Bethel. Uh, I, I went there and, and checked that off the list. And when I was there, Chris Valentin was preaching and he preached, I promise you, Dave, he preached that. Uh, Jesus Christ appeared to him in a personal revelation and told him, quote, we are moving from denominationalism to apostleships. I was like, whoa. And he said, that's the DNA of their movement. It's not like this is a side thing or something. It's the new teaching that Jesus has given Chris Valentin for the new move that he's doing in the church. And we're moving away from denominationalism to apostleships. So I guess Baptists, I guess, you know, they want to supplant all your denominations. Yeah. Pay attention, people. Pastor of a Baptist church, pastor of a Presbyterian church, pastor of, of EV Free, et cetera. All your listenerships who have who are part of a denomination, this movement wants to supplant your denominations. It's a revelation that he received from Jesus Christ. I was there. I heard it straight on. Um it's 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 still there actually if you want to look at bethel tv i think it was january 16th 2020 i was there i visited and i actually did a review of that on my on my own uh podcast uh, if anybody's interested it's an in-depth dig deep dive as it were yeah, <laughs> in my yeah. experience there yeah for <clears throat> sure yeah that's good well you know we're talking that we've been talking about the music and what most concerns you about that music coming out of Bethel, and do you think Christians and churches should or shouldn't sing these songs to stop Bethel and others in the NRR from getting royalties? Ah, uh, uh, good question. I like that's like a two-parter. Let's let's break it up into first part. I, I'm concerned that people are singing wrong things about God. I mean, uh, for instance, reckless love. We talked about that a minute ago. Yeah. God's not reckless. He can't act recklessly. So his love is not reckless. End of the score. End of story. Uh, his love is purposeful and real and true and, and, and relentless maybe is a good word. He is relentlessly seeking those whom he is calling to faith in Jesus Christ. So they're, they're singing wrong things about God. I, I'm concerned that people are worshiping a, a false God of Bethel's imaginations. Um, I, I'm concerned that NER theology is coming into mainline evangelical churches, and eventually uh, evangelical churches will be taken over and overrun by NER and its theology. So NER uh, and, and Bethel and, and, the, and the like, they have a, a theology that 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 does not allow them to just be satisfied with their own churches and maybe planning churches, new churches. They have a, a a belief called dominionism, which is uh, which also uh, has within that dominionism a purview is a thing called seven mountain mandate or seven realms uh, of influence, and within that they have a, the religion mountain, and they're going to overtake the religion mountain, whether that's um, you know in in a, in a movie like I think it was the Holy Ghost. They uh, went to an in Hindu temple and went inside the Hindu temple and brought the presence of God by singing worship songs in, in the Hindu temple. And thus it was that they conquered that mountain there in that Hindu temple. That's their beliefs. They would over that they believe in dominion. Christ is going to take back dominion that we lost through the fall, um, that that we agreed with Satan. And um, so dominionism has that 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 view and they want to take back and regain the dominion of the religion mountain and so for you to think as a church oh it's harmless bethel music is not going to do anything it is not innocuous it's not harmless they're going after and i'll, I'll give you the i'll give you how, how it happens you start singing bethel music a few kids of your church get interested 
go on to Bethel website and they, oh look they have a school for young people i'm going to go over there for a couple of years they go there for a couple of years two or three years they come back to your church after that and they incorporate what they've learned at bethel school of supernatural ministry into your church they start taking on leadership roles and they keep purveying this bethel uh, uh theology practice and, and teaching and then soon enough it, it it sort of rubs off on everybody in your church and then after three or four years, you're changing your, your bylaws of your church away from elderships and pastors to the fivefold ministry and apostles and prophets as your uh, governmental leadership structure. It's happened everywhere. Everywhere I see, I have people reach out to me all the time who say, Richard, what do we do about uh, this church? Wants to, our church wants to change their bylaws uh, away from elderships, pastors, and, and, and leaders like, like, like the Bible explains to us and Titus and Timothy to fivefold ministry. What do we do? I say, you have to stop it. You have to stop it at all costs or else they will come in with their theology. All the NAR theology will come right behind it if they are able to change their leadership structure to apostles and prophets. So that's what's happening everywhere. That's the process I've seen. I've seen it in, in, in a dozen churches here in Europe, that process right there. And so it starts with allowing Bethel music into your churches. Uh, like you said, Holly Pivik and Doug Guyvet, they did a real great handling of, of, in their book, Counterfeit Kingdoms, a whole chapter dealing with the Trojan horse of NAR music. So go get that. That's a really worthwhile read. Yeah. If, you, if you're new to the show, we've had, uh, had Holly on to talk about that. And then we've talked with um, Holly and Doug about as well further about that book and their other two books. And so, you know, you can go listen to that if you or watch that as well. But I think. Oh, you asked I, about royalties. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, royalties are a huge. I mean, uh, uh, Bethel Hillsong Elevation Music are making millions of dollars through CCLI royalties. YouTube and Spotify streams. I mean, the Christian churches that sing music are actually supporting this movement and making it possible for their music to be so popular. Uh, the only way it's so popular is that churches all over the world are singing their music weekly. Um, I I believe, you know, I'm going to say this is maybe controversial. Evangelicalism is completely infiltrated by NAR and its music. It's not infiltrating. It is completely infiltrated. I, I was uh, back in the U.S. in, in, in uh, 18, 2018. I went to a, a, a regular major large SBC church, 3,000, 5,000 members. I forget exactly how much. And I was visiting and they had three or four Bethel songs on Sunday. It is completely infiltrated the, NA, the, the, the evangelical church. I'd actually wager, I'd be, I'd, be, I'd be so bold as to wager that your listeners have heard in their churches this Sunday, uh, a Bethel, a Hillsong or an Elevation song in their services played if they play contemporary music. What do you bet? What do you think, Dave? I, I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> there was uh there was recently you reminded me of that I think we were talking about this privately but you know there mm -hmm. was this research done um yes on that do you, uh on on the just this idea yeah. and you know it showed let's see I have it up here now um there's a new study out yeah yeah this new study I think it's worshipleaderresearch.com uh, yeah. Yeah. And they they found that I think it was uh, correct me if I'm wrong here that all of this all there's basically four main people yeah. or four main churches and Bethel's one of them Elevation is the other and there's another one where most of modern evangelical songs come out right so right as as a correct like a little bit of a correction all the CCLI yeah. they did they did a, a search of all the CCLI license from 2010 to 2020 and all of them almost all of them uh, originated from Bethel Hillsong Passion City and Elevation yeah um, and they that they found that only a few of those most popular songs talk about the cross or salvation in any way but rather personal experience and blessing and the whole the whole you know me centered um message so you're right on the money that that new study was really conclusive they also concluded that um of the four uh churches deeply uh, those four churches have deeply influenced the spiritual practices of many evangelical churches so it's already happening um 
And this study that you're referring to shows how it's happened. Yeah, it matters. And that's, and this matters, you know, as, as yeah. a reformed evangelical ministry, you know, we believe as reformed and evangelicals that we should preach the word. And then worship is the response to that. So we're, we, we believe in sound doctrine, but we also believe in sound worship coming from God's word. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't sing hymns and those kind of things. Nobody, nobody, I mean, nobody is saying that, that we only sing the Psalms or anything like that. But, right. we, but our song should be grounded in the Bible and yeah. should lead people, as Edward said, of preaching. What he was trying to do is, is raise people to the highest level. These are affections to the highest level with the truth of God's word. That's not only what our preaching should do, it's also what our you know worship should do, raising yeah. it to the highest level, raising our affections um up and uh, uh, up to the to the truth of God's word to the standard. 100%. And what yeah. what modern evangelical it's like you were saying the the reckless love. It's like Jesus is my my buddy and so we do have a huge problem with this. Yeah. Um where it's all about my feelings and what I think and just love me and feel yeah. good. And, you know, it's a, it's a very psychologized view yeah. of, you know, things. And that's the opposite of what Christianity is. Jesus said, you might, you might remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You might remember a few years ago that there was actually, a, I think a, a clothing brand called Jesus is my homeboy, you know? Um, oh, wow. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's definitely it, you know? Um, and you know, I think it was Paul that said we should sing sing uh, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, yeah. um, and uh, and and that's it. That's it, there's a combination, but they all have to be Christ focused, cross focused, um, um, giving Him worth, giving God worth for who He is, what He's done in Jesus Christ, and and. and worshiping him you know bowing the knee before him and him alone not before our feelings not before any uh false construction of god that these these songs create so you're yeah, on the think, money i think one thing to bring out here is you know we we see we've seen the rise of along with this you know with new age and um mm -hmm. and you know I don't even call it progressive Christianity because that gives it too much benefit of the doubt. It's really theological liberalism. Right. We know that historically. Yeah. Um, and you being in Germany of all places know that especially. But, um, you know, I think that that is a huge thing that has propelled a lot of this movement forward with it. The, the, yeah. the traditional thing of theological liberalism or as people know, it, progressive Christianity is this feelings-oriented faith, and yeah. that's that's really what we see with with this new apostolic reformation, the rise of new age, and and everything. Do you want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah, um, you're right on the money. I mean, it's it's uh, there's definitely a ton of. I think uh, I have my list of thirty. I can show you just a few things that that yeah, dig it. into uh, some of the new age movement. You know, so fire tunnels they you practice fire tunnels that that incorporate a kundalini type method where you're shaking around and you release the endorphins that that scientists know gold dust angel feathers diamonds and gems appeared on people these are all documented by them not by us we we just are copying their sources in the book when heaven invades earth bill johnson documents all this stuff laughter falling shaking uh i.e the toronto blessing years ago oil glory clouds as a sign of god's presence this is a new one for some of your listeners probably that uh, uh benny johnson conjured angel orbs um to have angels appear in an orb and like woo um you know spirit body out of out of body tra you know uh, uh doreen would be interested in this what these ones spirit travel out of body experiences uh the 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 divine health um, thing you know and people say that jesus taught this divine health that's just not where he didn't teach divine health he healed he healed people <laughs> um uh, there was no yeah. there was no waiting 
I mean, what, what about what about the whole like he's miles away and he told somebody to be and he healed somebody? I mean, well, one thing, one one of the ones that just struck me, I preached this the other uh, recently was the the wonderful fish catch at the end when he's on the shore and he says, cast your he's 100 yard, meters away from them. And he says, cast your nets on the other side. It was a wonderful fish catch. A, a carload of fish. Honestly, that's what the, I did. I did the math. That's how much it weighed. Um, and he was, he did it from, from, from distance um, because he's God, Amen. Dave. Right. Yeah. What, <laughs> what happened in COVID? You know, why didn't they go to as cost? That's interesting. I want to bring that up. Can I bring that up as a point? I just realized yes, that before yes. in my preparations. Do it. Do it. I was at Bethel on January 16th, 2020, right before everything broke out. I flew home and wore a mask. I didn't have to. I wore a mask because I wanted to. As I heard about this thing coming, I don't know who's, you know, with China, blah, blah, blah. I wore a mask just for my own protection. We didn't know what it was. We didn't know how strong it was. And and literally a week before, Chris Valentin was standing on stage. He didn't prophesy one thing. He's the the prophet at Bethel. He sort of missed that one. Mm. <laughs> he didn't say anything about a pandemic coming. Um, and the weeks following either, as far as I know, didn't know these, all these NAR prophets seem to conveniently miss this one. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. Anyways, visualization, Sozo, uh, uh, Benny Johnson uses, used before she passed away. She, it's interesting. She also passed away from cancer, uh, which I find sad and, and challenging at the same time. It's so sad, so sad that she passed away from cancer and cancer. It's a cancer free zone at Bethel. But I guess not for her. I just really distur- just disturbingly sad. Sozo, uh, they also do that quack psychology, uh, father ladder stuff, where where uh, if you have a, a problem with God, you're you're they're being blocked because you have a problem with your father. Um, if you have a a problem with Jesus, you have a blockage between Jesus and you. Then you have a problem with a brother. Um, and if you, of course, sister, you have a problem with sister. If you have a problem with a spirit, so you got to take those blockages down. You got to get those he, be healed from all those different things that you've had in your life through a sozo session. Um, and there's lots of stuff out there on sozo. You can go research all that stuff yourself. The book, The Physics of Heaven. That's one uh, that your users should know. Uh, Mike Winger did a did a uh, presentation on this lately, and he said uh, that it's evil, that this book is evil, that Bethel needs to repent from it, that Chris Valentin needs to repent, and the authors, Ellen Davis and Judy Franklin, need to repent. It's evil. He called it, he called it evil, twisted, deceptive, manipulative, unbiblical, unscientific, untrue, and dishonoring to Christ. This is a book put out by Bethel with the Bethel seal of approval on the back right there. It's it's not sold in the and bookstore it, anymore. They took, they took it from it, their bookstore. And it's published by, De- it looks like that's published by Destiny Image, right? Destiny Image. Yep. D in the corner. Yep. yep. Destiny Image. That's Destiny Image is a, is a NAR uh, purveyor big time. And uh, if it's a Destiny Image book, it is an NAR book. I just would say that. And uh, so they took it down after Mike Winger did his uh, big podcast. And it was like seen by 500,000 people. Um, and he called it evil, manipulative, uh, unbiblical, everything like that. They took the book out of their bookstore. But it's still published with forward by Chris Valentin, um and chapters by Bill Johnson in this book. This is the most crazy psycho wacko nonsense you've ever read in your life that tries to pass itself off as christian just saying no that's 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 a, an important thing to say because you know that's that's what we're talking about when we talk about this we're talking about when you when you paul says when you we're not to be we're not to be shaken by every wind of doctrine ephesians right. 4 that's why we're to be grounded and shaped by the truth yeah. This is just another example yeah. of why on this show we talk about these things because it matters that we're grounded and shaped in and by the truth and by what the church has taught. And when you go outside of the Bible and you go outside of what the church has taught, you're not going to find help. Yeah. You don't have to, we don't have to reinvent the wheel and we <laughs> don't need to support yes. movements and our money go to right. these do these things um and so i think that's i think that's really good brother i think um yeah that's a that's a lot for people to to really take in but um you know where tell yeah. us a little bit about your your podcast and yeah you know those kind of things um you know how people can find that and about where you're yeah, at sure. social media and those things 
Yeah. So I started a, a podcast several years ago called Churchpreneurs. Um, it's church and entrepreneurs popped together in one. Someone said, what do you do, Richard? What's your, what's your job? I said, try to explain it. And they said, oh, you're an entrepreneur for the church. Like, yeah, I guess so. So Churchpreneurs was born. So church and entrepreneur, church apreneurs. Um, you can find that on any podcast platform. I also do. I also post it to YouTube. So you can check that out on YouTube. Um, Twitter handle. I don't know if anybody does that anymore. Um, <laughs> at Richard P. Moore 23. Um, and my YouTube channel is at Richard M. 23. At Richard M. 23. You can also buy Divergent Theology on Kindle or Amazon. Uh, for paperback, if you want to do that. And for German listeners, oh, uh, if you got any German listeners, uh, this book was published in German called Entwurzelt. Divergent Theology was translated into German, and Entwurzelt means uprooted. So I, cool. I claim that the the um, this movement is, up, is uprooted from the theological uh, evangelical orthodoxy. And uh, so you can buy that there. Um, yeah, reach out on any of those platforms, um, and love to, uh, get to know some of your listeners as well. Yeah, man. Well, there's, uh, you know, there's a lot that we could talk about and we, we've only given, you know, <laughs> we've only scratched the surface, Yeah. but, uh, just, just as we wrap it up, do you have any takeaways for those who listen and watch the show? Um, maybe some of your, uh, some of your listeners are interested in church history. I am also sort of a church history buff, but, um, they may also be aware of Arianism then, if they're um, uh, church historians at all. And this time frame um, could is not much unlike that threat to to orthodoxy that Arianism uh, gave to the early church um, around the Council of Nicaea. It's the the run up to the Council of Nicaea. There's a lot of these debates happening, a lot of these things going back and forth. And the Council of Nicaea firmly established uh, the the truth of orthodoxy and rejected Arianism, and, and so it's not unlike that. We to preserve evangelical biblical orthodoxy, we have to stay vigilant. It doesn't just happen. Um, you don't preserve and and maintain orthodoxy just by by letting it letting it go. Theological entropy will take hold. This has been the pattern across church history, and it could happen to us too. Don't think it couldn't happen to us. Um, evangelicalism could wake up one day and discover that it is no longer what it once was. I sure hope that doesn't happen. I'll fight till until that end. But it, we could wake up if we don't, if we aren't careful, if we aren't vigilant, we could wake up and find that evangelicalism isn't evangelical anymore. Mm. Um, another thing I'd say to your listeners is keep the gospel of Jesus Christ at the center. What is the core of the gospel? Jesus Christ went to the cross for our sins and took our place as our vicarious substitute so that by faith and repentance, we could be made right with a holy God. Mm -hmm. That's the core of the gospel. And if you keep that at the center, uh, then these, these, these winds of doctrine, like you said, Dave, will not, will not uproot us. Yeah. They won't blow us to and fro. Um, and then I'd, I'd encourage, keep your Bible open, <laughs> study it often. Um, and if you have questions, turn to it, don't turn to all these interpretations of these new, newfangled leaders and teachers turn to the Bible. And if something seems off, something seems, wait, what? If there's these weird words this new jargon you're hearing, then something is probably off. That's what happened to me. Um, I noticed something was off, like uh, like this one teacher at this church we were going to quoted the Passion Translation. And I was like, wait, what? And I, it was Galatians. And I knew that passage by heart. See, go to your Bible. I knew that passage by heart. And I'm like, whoa, that's really off. And I went and go look to the Greek to make sure I was not just, you know, crazy. And it was way off. It had another meaning. Yeah. And, and so if something seems off, it's off probably. You're probably right. <laughs> don't 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 second guess your own intuitions and your own your own discernment. You know, God has given us a Christian discernment. I think as well. One last last idea, maybe. I think if we s s focus on the solas of the Reformation, then a lot of this will be avoided. Sola fide, sola gratia, sola scriptura, solus Christus, and soli deo gloria. These five solas of the Reformation 
will avoid a lot of heartache for us if we just if we just stick to them. So that's uh, sort of we got a lot more to say about this. There's, that's, we're just scratching the surface, like you said. So appreciate your time, Dave. Thanks for having yeah. me. Yeah, man, it's been really good to talk with you guys. We've been talking today with my friend, our brother in Christ, Richard Moore, about his book, Divergent Theology. It is an excellent book. I encourage you guys to pick that up. Um, you'll find a lot more in-depth uh, examination. Uh, check out his podcast. I, I still need to listen to that, but I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, checking that out. And, uh, you know, Richard is a is a wealth of information on this. He helps moderate uh, multiple groups on the New Apostolic Reformation on Facebook. And uh, so he is actively in the fight, not only online, but he is in the fight um, for standing on the word, you know, where he's at in Europe and people contact him all of the time, you know, all over the world. And so, uh, avail yourself of the resource that uh, that he is putting out and uh, i think you'll be helped and uh uh help to further stand on the truth and in the word and uh for what the church has taught so thanks brother for joining us my pleasure thanks for having me dave Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.